0: hey 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 welcome back to who let the dogs out a podcast where i chat life with cool people doing awesome things in this episode you'll hear from jessica ramses she hers who she's running her nepri pasta startup in philadelphia you'll hear us mostly talking about her venture plans this week and how you can best support stay tuned so you said you are selling some things in Philly and moving. Have you decided where you want to move? Is it going to be Jersey?
1: I haven't completely decided yet. Throughout the six-month runway that I'm giving myself to launch things, I haven't completely decided on where I want to be. But most likely, the production of the product that I'm building at the moment is going to be in the Jersey area. It would make the most sense to be around that region. And if I'm still looking for a place, it would be fun for me to hop around and visit some friends in the meantime while I'm test producing the product.
0: Word. Do you want to expand a little bit on this project you're working
1: on? Sure. So I am building a more delicious, more nutritious wheat-based pasta that, that essentially has a different harvesting process than traditional grains. And through that harvesting process is allowed to be very highly nutritious makes it very high in fibers proteins low in carbs and low in calories and i've been working in a food lab with a chef and a nutritionist for the past year perfecting the ratios of the ingredients put into this product so we finally got a pasta that was both very healthy for you with good macros but also tasted very good we found that through like conducting so many product tasting events around the university and distributing the products to friends and families and friends of friends. And yeah, we've got this product now and we've been communicating with the co-packers that want to help test run and produce the product and applying to a few accelerators, particularly retail store accelerators that help teach you how to launch your product in stores and help cover also some of the financial fees required to do so. It's a good, exciting time. Definitely a lot of progress has happened over the last year and I'm excited to take this product to market.
0: That's incredible, yo. <laughs> do you r- want to share a little bit about the initial inspiration for this venture?
1: Sure. So. I guess with the initial inspiration of building a healthier version of pasta came from my inner struggles when I moved to the U.S., I grew up in Cairo, Egypt, and in Egypt and a lot of Mediterranean con- countries, many of the foods that you traditionally eat at home or you eat outside of the house are very nutritious, they're very wholesome, made out of very simple ingredients. But when I came to the US, I was actually amazed by how much how much variety there is for the food that you can eat. But at the same time, you have to be in this situation where you're choosing what food to eat based on how healthy it is. So it became much more of a conscious effort for me to pick out food that was healthy. And I moved to the U.S. and I actually struggled for a really long time with healthy eating. I gained around 30 pounds when I moved here. So freshman 15 times two.
0: And it was because (laughs) I was
1: eating like a lot of the food that was just super convenient to me. I was on a dining plan. I was eating a lot of like carb heavy foods. And... At that point, I was really athletic before moving. I was like playing a lot of competitive sports, and I like gained all this weight, and I was like, okay, this is going to change. I taught myself a lot about nutritious eating. I ended up losing, actually, a lot more weight than I had gained in the first place, so maybe took it a bit too intensely. But through that, I became really passionate about having healthier alternatives to food that was particularly convenient. So I was like, I wish I could just change this concept of comfort food in the u.s so that you're never picking between what's tasty to what's convenient to what's healthy because those are three different things and when you compare like how comfort food is perceived here in the u.s versus abroad abroad comfort food is usually a healthy tasty meal at home when comfort food in u.s is usually more indulgent food. And when you eat it, it's because people are like, oh, this is clearly not healthy. So I wanted to bridge that gap and create a healthy product that actually tasted good, that didn't make people feel that they were sacrificing anything.
0: Incredible. And so pasta ended up being like the food of choice because you saw it as an opportunity to bridge that comfort healthiness more than maybe some other food products?
1: Yeah, so pasta particularly, if you were thinking about pasta compared to another comfort food which is like pizza for example pasta is that one food item that is incredibly easy to make like i don't foresee anyone on the daily basis making pizza doughs and making pizzas at home so it has that convenience element to it and it's also really easy to share so for a lot of people it becomes that go-to food of choice particularly for families that wanna just cook for a large number of people. So that was the first food product that I picked just because I knew of the impact it has and I knew how many people that were eating normal pasta and also putting a, a lot of unhealthy sauces on it. From what I'm saying is I love pasta. This is why I decided to pick pasta. And I don't think there's anything wrong with eating pasta. I do think that because pasta is usually overconsumed because it's very high in carbs, then you have that risk of eating too many carbs that are stored as sugars in your body that spike your blood sugar levels and end up making you more hungry and end up making you consume a lot more food. And that in combination with a lot of like unhealthy, fatty sauces that are put on the pasta just makes it sometimes a recipe for unhealthy eating. If you're not conscious. No, I think that makes a whole lot
0: of sense and I can't wait to eat more I always saw it last time when I visited, and it looked so incredibly cool, especially with you and your hat. But I think, so for many listeners, probably a lot of us haven't been to Cairo, Egypt, haven't started an adventure like this. So curious, what are some surprising things that you feel like you take for granted in this journey that maybe is less common for people growing up in the US? More on this unique path and also how you think
1: and plays a role in that yeah for sure i definitely think there's been a lot of support that the university has given me over this past year that i don't think i would have been able to reach the point i am without the first person i could think of is the chef i was working with i remember going to the kitchen and trying to produce this product like over 15 times and it was failing and failing but she kept being more motivated that there would be a solution. And if I didn't see that in front of me, sometimes I think about what if I just gave up and the dough could never be produced and I never would have been here. And I think there's been a lot of professors um, that are mentoring me in the current VIPX program. That's the pen Accelerator that have been just really motivating for motivating an engineer who I am to build a food product because they know its impact and they know my passion and my interest in nutrition and how they've been mentoring me like whether mentoring me about marketing strategies or mentoring me about my go-to-market strategy or my target consumer and that has been really helpful to see and I think Another thing that Penn has created that I have really valued is the community around the Food Innovation Lab, which is our kitchen space that all of the food cohorts work in when they're working on a food concept. And I just loved being around that community because everybody that was working there, you saw engineers and MBA students and design students and economics students, but all of them were in that space. Because they were passionate about making a food product, and it was just so delightful to see people that were in a space for passion and who were sacrificing hours and hours on the day to build a product because they loved food and because they wanted to bring that food to people's.
0: Yeah, that is so cool, man. So, I actually also applied. To some lab at some point, it was in that t- like Tangent Hall. Am I pronouncing it
1: no. right? Yeah, I, I call it Tangent, but I think my program director calls it Tangent.
0: Tangent Hall, where I wanted to start a food truck out of the Jeep. I that
1: heard, I had. yeah.
0: <laughs> and sell food. Hawaiian to food. To those parties or whatever after late nights. Because it, like really, we made a map where there's not a lot of affordable yummy options after 11 p.m around campus which is really crazy for a university to not have that I think that was the first thing
1: I realized when I came to Penn because Cairo they call it the New York of the Middle East it's a city that genuinely doesn't sleep like things open late but they also stay up until 6 a.m so for me coming to university and seeing that things were closing at around six or seven and I couldn't have a late night dinner at places. I definitely see where you're coming from. And I think that's what Insomnia tried to do. through cookies. Right?
0: <laughs> no, exactly. And then you look at the offerings. You're like, this is so bad for us. However, I was definitely not as passionate about the cooking, the nutrition, the etc. I think I was thinking a lot more about the convenience and trying to bring healthy island foods back to Philly. That would be really easy for us to make and distribute. And yeah, it wouldn't be claiming to be healthy. Like the same passion and interest i think you have but that's fascinating that now it's no the like you are the legit ones like you guys are the
1: one. no tell me about the food truck so
0: product at the end of the day yeah
1: so what happened with the food truck business like where are you now are you still going to continue trying to create that on the campus
0: no so really quickly i really quickly gravitated towards the business side of things to put it in the worst way i was really fascinated by oh my gosh where should i drive around the jeep like i was writing scripts where i could click a button and Vemo everyone a cent in promo and be like oh my god i'm on 42nd walnut right now come buy your fish cakes or whatever however cool like i ever got around to the cooking part We like Orestes and i just had this right idea and i was just so naturally gravitated towards the logistics of it, the operations, that i do really have like a passionate chef. Like at the end of the day, you need to mass produce a lot of these, these foods and especially like fish cakes. It's like, it sounds gross, but crab cakes, I guess, whatever it is. Yeah. But like wasn't so passionate about mass producing all that and getting into the actual food. And never really was actively finding a chef per se because of that kind of just fizzled out. But to be honest, I still see a market for that, and I—I don't know. I like—I don't live in Philly anymore, right? I'm moving every six months on this job. That I think to me is something I'm prioritizing. But there's definitely an insane market there. I don't know. I think so. I
1: think nighttime food, particularly for students, like that's yeah, that's a very good area to tackle. Particularly because I've seen I've had moments where I'm like, oh. I have to go to the supermarket, it's 11pm right before it closes because I don't have any food in the house.
0: Yeah, literally. And you are the one who enjoys cooking and all those things. Like Most people don't in college and a lot of them have so much money. I guess that's the pen part of it too. I could sell like three crab cakes for five bucks and it's still cheaper, better than the alternatives and isn't actually like a rip I would feel okay doing that. And I had the Jeep and the infrastructure et cetera, to be driving around. So. I don't know, maybe one day, but it's fun to hear people passionate about the actual cooking part, because that was the part that I was like,
1: meh. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly, like, sometimes think about that, and even when I look at the price of fast food, let's say, like, Shannon, what's the average price of a McDonald's burger?
0: Dude, it's ridiculous. McDonald's meals, I don't know, eight bucks, let's say, like...
1: Yeah, that's crazy, right? I would, sometimes I would look at that, and I'm like, wow, I could have... Salmon with asparagus (laughs) and rice, right? A salmon steak just on a plate and it would be cheaper than a fast food meal. might be cheaper than a sandwich I buy like outside. And I guess that's also contingent on the fact that the places that are around the campus are also more pricier than standard prices. But I always thought about how a lot of the time, if you don't like cooking, convenience is always going to be something that people will value and i think that's why the pasta i made it has a three minute cook time so i made it just so that people like if you're not gonna buy it for the health you might as well buy it because it cuts the cook time of pasta by a third
0: true people will definitely pay a premium for convenience for sure around philly new york etc so you mentioned cairo is like the new york city of middle east how did it feel Growing up there, what were you thinking about as a kid? What do you think your friends think about? Where are they today? How did some of those experiences and background play into your inspiration today?
1: Yeah. Growing up in Egypt, I feel like every... People joke about this, but every Egyptian loves their country so much. And whenever you're around them, they're always boasting about how it's like back in Egypt. So... It's something that I've realized there's so much attachment to the culture, to the traditions. And actually, like, when you look at the Egyptian population over thousands of years, they are the number one most population that have stayed within their geographical region for the last 5,000 years. So they did a genetic test on all the current modern day Egyptians and they found 97% the same DNA as the ancient Egyptians 5,000 years ago and people like joke about that because they're like they're the least likely people to leave their country so with a lot of the friends that i grew up with there's this idea that you will study abroad but at the end of the day if not today if not in the future you'll come back because there's such a large emphasis on community and culture and traditions which is quite nice i go back to egypt like you're always going to a family, friend's house and celebrating something with them. Like you're always out with your friends like throughout the day. Very big extroverted crowd that likes to joke around a lot and has good weather <laughs> all year out. Except for the summer where it's too hot. But yeah, it's I really enjoyed growing up in Egypt. It was very diverse in terms of its history and a lot of also the cultural traditions that have been taken from weather like the ancient Egyptians or any of the other people that conquered Egypt, per se, over those years. So that's yeah, that I've enjoyed, and I think it's it's played a part in terms of how much I love the food growing up and how I wanted to bring that food and those grains that I'm using for my pasta to the U. S.
0: Work. That's awesome. How do your parents feel about this venture and? Do you see yourself going back to Egypt in the future? And what like when would that
1: be? Yeah. So my parents are entrepreneurs. <laughs> and so they started their own companies. And my grandparents were also entrepreneurs. They started their own companies. In addition to their own professions, my grandparents are doctors. My Also, my grandmother was a doctor in the 40s, which was unheard of in the U.S. And she, in addition to, like, having her own clinic, she would start investing and, like, buying buildings and starting your own projects and my dad did the same thing he built like a medical company in addition to being an engineer and he started importing and distributing medical devices for them i think they're really happy that i'm doing my own thing because to them it's like carrying on that tradition in the family of just taking initiative and looking at problems and seeking solutions and they're excited because my whole family are also big into nutrition and healthy eating so they are definitely target consumers for the product so they're excited to see how it is
0: awesome yo i didn't know that about your parents that is fascinatingly cool what do you think inspired them to do it and their grandparents as well because it's unique no
1: yeah i think they are hard workers and that genuinely, I think the project, the companies they started, they genuinely care about. I think for the medical technology business, my dad really cares about just helping people and bringing in the best technology and emphasizing high quality in products that he's bringing in. And I think that is his driving force when it comes to starting a company like that. So a lot of it came out of passion and a desire to help. So I think that was the driving factors for them. Facts, facts,
0: interesting word. And your dad continues to run the business today, right? Yeah. You so. force yourself going back, continuing that at some point. What? Where does? What do you think Egypt looks like for you in the future?
1: I definitely see myself returning to Egypt at some point in the future, but like for now, I am emphasizing learning, learning how to start things, learning about different topics, getting experience in different jobs, traveling. So I see myself in the future, but for now I'm focused on also my personal development. Back.
0: So back to the pasta production in Jersey, what is the process like? What does the facility, and I don't know how much you can say. So again, just, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Here's sure. the key. But what does a facility need for you to picked that place you think jersey best supports it versus other states in that area how did you land on that so any, anything about the production process
1: so i think convincing a factory to produce a product is a bit challenging and the way we were able to do that is just by leveraging just the connections i had with chefs and reaching out to hundreds and hundreds of people and seeing whether they'd be interested. And a lot of time there is a bit of pushback because like number one, those factories have very large scale companies working with them most of the time. So they think their efforts can be better given to a company that has a guarantee to pay them over years. And the other thing is those factories usually have minimal contact information online. And if you do find them great and they don't have any pricing So usually pricing is agreed on after you call them, visit them, and they build a production line for you. So I think that's one of the biggest difficulties I've faced in terms of organizing the logistics of how this is going to work on an operational level from sourcing to production to distribution to retail. But it's been great. We landed on some amazing people that are helping out, some great family companies that have been very helpful and inspired by the cause. A lot of the responses I got when I was looking for someone to build a product were from people like the kids of the owners of those factories that emailed me and were like, your product seems so cool. I am consistently looking for healthier versions of pasta.
0: That's amazing, y'all. I'm so happy to hear that from you. So, what for people listening, what's the best way we can support you
1: right now? Ooh, interesting. I would say like we're focused a lot on starting to build like an online social media presence. We started our Instagram pages and our LinkedIn pages maybe a week and a half ago, and we've grown to two hundred followers, and I know that's small, but it's a big step in the last just ten days of a lot of people sharing and spreading the word, so that's been really helpful. And yeah, like for other support, I am giving myself a goal to test run this product by the end of this month at a factory. So if you would like any samples, I am happy to distribute samples to anyone who wants to be the first person to try this product. So getting your input would also be very helpful
0: incredible yo maybe once i start making friends in sao paulo i'll be a little sales distributor here
1: yeah very happy to have some sao paulo distribution
0: (laughs) or i feel any win has to be celebrated in a startup like it's not really a small step because it's so hard to get things going off the ground and once you do that all snowballs into more and everything is just part of the journey and future success—it's so easy for other people to be like, "Yeah, it's small," but no, I feel like those are such big, legit wins, right? That it really feels—you got to celebrate 100%. For those. Yeah, hundred
1: percent. To- I think like the one thing my professor would keep telling me at Penn is that you have to celebrate every small win because the goals for the company are large, but. You celebrate every small win because there's gonna be losses every day too that you don't manage to get to, right? So this will keep pushing you forward and you're building something from scratch. So things are inevitably going to go wrong on a daily basis.
0: Exactly. So on that point, who is on your team today? How do you see the team growing in the future?
1: Yeah, I started this by myself and with the chef that was helping me in the food lab. Right now, we have grown to a team of four, so I have brought on three fellows for this semester that are two graduate students and and one undergrad student helping in areas that are marketing finances and partnerships, so they are Just super interested about different aspects of the business. One of the fellows is a behavioral science masters. So she is super interested in the way people behave around new food products. Another person, she's a bioengineer masters, but she also worked at NEST in educating people about nutrition, interested about the nutritional aspect of the product. And the last person is working in finances, she's in Wharton, but she also is in the food lab with her own food project and started a food startup that was teaching Vietnamese kids how to cook and also teaching them English on the side. So they've all come from various different backgrounds that have been helpful for the company but also have had their own passions behind that that has driven their decisions. So that is exciting. For the summer, I'm looking to bring on a friend. We're both friends with Dagny. She wants to join in the summer to help out. So I'm happy to give her some projects to work on up until the date we launch. And from there on, yeah, we're looking for VC fundraising. And hopefully after we get funding going into the company, we can start hiring people full-time. So that's an exciting
0: Wow. Amazing. I didn't know about Dagny, too. That's yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. She reached out to me and she's, hey, I want to work on this. And I am like, would you like to be at the forefront of production of factory? She was like, yeah, that would be super cool. I'm like, OK, great. Let me try to see if I could get this factory test running and see if you could be there to make sure everything is going well.
0: Awesome, yo. So what does this next week look like for you? What are some of the big milestones you have planned in this shorter term?
1: Yesterday was actually the semifinals for the startup competition. So I had two different interviews with maybe 12, 13 people on the call that were a mix of investors, people who ran VCs, people who worked in the food industry and beyond. I had spent the whole entire week prepping for that, building a great pitch, prepping for Q&A. So now that's done, I'm taking a one-day just rest to... Actually, I'm not because I have a tasting event tonight. (laughs) (laughs) But that's fun for me. And afterwards, yeah, we're focusing on continuing to build content for our pages. Me and my fellow actually spent four hours building like educational content for my LinkedIn that I could post for people who want to build CPG products because this past year has been just a flood of information on things I didn't know anything about before starting this, whether it's like sourcing your co-packers or how to go about the logistics of a CPG, operation of getting your food product in a retail store or funding opportunities for students in universities. It's been good to retrospectively look at all the things I learned with my fellows and see if I could condense that down to something educational for people. So that's been a really exciting uh, project and another thing that's going on this week is going to be just getting on calls with those co-packers and organizing a time to test the product this month
0: that's amazing yo how do you think about rest for yourself what do you like doing and energy. Under-
1: I love cooking maybe I do a lot of that in the food space that I'm currently in making dry pasta for people to try at the lab But I have an Easter dinner going on next week. I'm inviting a bunch of friends for it to celebrate Easter and color a bunch of eggs and make chocolate egg molds. So that's been something that's been really exciting. And I'm going to a few family friends' houses over the weekend. So I do like cooking to rest and I like painting. So I have a bunch of empty canvases, usually in my house with a bunch of paints, and I'll bring a bunch of friends over And we'll just take some time to paint. So, yeah, I would say when I was doing engineering and pen and I had nothing else, those were my two hobbies. And it was good because it was a great creative expression for me when a lot of the work I was doing was very technical. So, yeah.
0: Word. I am surprised we haven't talked at all about systems engineering yet. So, go us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love system engineering and I think it's taught me a lot now in the AI boom, the AI revolution where everybody's using Chad GPT. It's incredible how my whole undergraduate degree was in coding and data analytics and statistics, right? Which is essentially what you need to build AI platforms. And it was crazy to me that in that AI revolution that's happening, and me putting things a bit on pause to work on a food company because i'm really passionate about its purpose but i think it allows both of those areas allow me to just stay relevant and learn about the times
0: yeah that is amazing yo do you use ChatGPT for work at all
1: <laughs> yeah who doesn't i think like when i feel my creative juices have just been expended already and i need some ideas whether it's just how I want my website to look, or the layout, or on some of my manufacturing homeworks to know some specs for products, it's been it's been really useful. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And a lot of it seems factory and partnerships are all about relationships with people. How. 100%. You think you manage all of those think together
1: stay, staying in contact i send them update emails all the time i recently won like a grant for the women's founders competition so the first thing i did was send my co-packer an email and say hey like another good news we got another grant and that just i think it makes them feel that like you're moving forward and you're really passionate about the project and its purpose and also you got extra funding that can help support the production so that's something I've been doing to maintain close contact and also having calls every few weeks to catch up on new goals.
0: I hear you. I hear you. And I bet those emails are bollows of fun. I can imagine them. The just energy floating <laughs> through.
1: Yeah, there's also a lot of co-packer energy. There's a lot of exclamation marks in responses I get, so I'm good.
0: <laughs> Incredible. So you generally like the people you work with and yeah, that makes I feel such a big difference. So that's huge.
1: I think so, yeah. You had to pick them at the end of the day. So if you were picking who you worked with, they would probably be people you like working with.
0: Yeah, fair enough. But I think that element of choice is sometimes difficult for startups to have. So kudos to you for having Mm -hmm. that. Perfect. Yeah, I'm happy. Word. Cool. (laughs) Anything? Do you want to do a quick lightning round?
1: Oh, go for it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Bet. What is one thing you wish everyone knew?
1: I wish everybody followed their passion to some extent. If you're doing a job in an area that you don't think you like as much as you thought, to start something on the side or at least have an idea for it so that if things don't work out you're doing something that you genuinely um, care about. And I think I've seen a lot of Penn students go down career paths that they don't want to go down or it's because other people are doing that so they follow groups of people which is very understandable given the economic situations that we're in. But also, a lot of Penn students are incredibly talented. They have such a diverse set of skills. They have their different passions. There are 10 different clubs that they're in. So I would love for people to just keep doing something that they love doing, regardless of what they're doing in the moment. Thanks
0: to that. What are three things that you can't live without besides the necessities?
1: (laughs) Oh, I was going to say food. Are friends a necessity? I would say I put friends and social interactions and being around people in my life is just the number one thing. I love being around people. I love learning about other cultures and understanding how people interact. That's one. Another thing would be traveling, just exploring different cities. Because I'm a history buff. I would always read up on different histories for different countries. So for me, like, I love traveling and learning. So I would see all of those as necessities. But I don't know what the general necessities would be, like, in your eyes, Shannon. But I would say if you're learning a new thing every week, whether you're reading a book, whether you're listening to a podcast, that's something I wouldn't be able to live without.
0: Guys, that's exactly what the question was going towards. Basically, things that you feel are necessities that maybe others don't to survive, like food, water, shelter. So, yeah, that was yeah. Basically, I'm yeah. gonna need to pick your brain on my podcast later, then, and you gotta roast me so I can be better.
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll start a podcast. You'll be my first person I talk to, Shannon.
0: Oh, yeah, that's big moves, and we gotta cross promo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I have to pick a <laughs> theme, um, though.
0: Yeah, any content recommendations?
1: Ooh, depends on what kind of content you like to view like instagram content pages to follow
0: whatever you want to share
1: Ooh, i because i'm working in the food space i like to follow a lot of founders who've started food companies like they write a lot of like educational posts about what you could learn along the journey and their experiences like a very famous cpg companies like liquid death and their advertising but i follow like the kind founders for the kind bars and the chobani founder and his journey so those have been great and honestly there's great podcasts where people interview them that's always exciting to hear about out of my general passion i follow a lot of pasta instagrams that are doing very interesting things with pasta while they're making colorful pasta really weird trends that are out there with pasta but it's cool to see that there's thousands of people interested in looking at stuff that
0: that's yo you're gonna be on one of those podcasts one day
1: maybe yeah
0: hell freaking yeah cool anything else you want to share with the world for today
1: no i think you got a lot of it shannon thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me super super happy to be here
0: no thank you i think your journey is so unique and like you said with the one thing I feel there's just so much respect I have for you going on this path and carving it for yourself so that's incredible keep us updated on how we can best help and support along the way I am so looking forward to hearing about this
1: month of testing
0: right I am excited I
1: will not take no as an answer I will try to make that test run happen this month because so we're graduating and i want to just have a product in there before i graduate have a factory produced product
0: holy shit, Jess, i literally forget you're still in school trying to graduate mid-may
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's been uh it's been a ride for sure
0: <laughs> oh my lord yeah we didn't talk about that at all i guess when i asked about your week i just assumed this was a full-time thing but
1: no oh God, actually still half of my time has also been spent on my thesis project for my master's And we're doing something also insanely cool. We're building the new standard for cool hearing protection. And I'm not sure if I can reveal this. But yeah, basically, we're actually getting on a call with the VP of Live Nation next week. Wow. Because we've got a lot of interest in the product and what we're developing. So it's been interesting. I feel in the last year, I have worked on building concepts with some manufacturing design classes on the side. So that's how my day has been.
0: That's incredible, yo. I think that's the beauty of masters versus undergrad in a way. And then you have more interest and skills to actually actualize things. But it's just insane that they're all coming together at the same time.
1: I think so, yeah. So it's exciting. It's been definitely like a lot of work, particularly with classes on the side, but it's stuff I'm passionate about. So I don't mind.
0: Yeah, and then I'm sure you have different views maybe of what to get out of the class versus
1: near us. Yeah, a hundred percent. I definitely remember myself freshman year in the library twenty four seven trying to memorize every word in my book. So yeah, it's been a lot of growth over the last five years.
0: Cheers to that,
1: yo. Thank you so much, Shannon, for having me and have fun with your boss for lunch.
0: Thanks, yo. Here's Jess
1: And that's a wrap for now. Jess Ramsey's, everyone.
0: Apologies if the audio quality was a little bit jank for this episode. I was recording in Sao Paulo. I haven't figured out my Wi-Fi yet. So Jess was recording from her phone while calling on the laptop. So apologies. Hopefully the content is still there and interesting for you all. See you in the next episode of Who Let the Dogs Out, a podcast where I chat life with cool people doing awesome things. Have a blast.